0: Welcome to the Destinate NZ show, I'm Michelle Caldwell and today we're talking with one of our emerging tourism leaders. Welcome back listeners, you're probably sitting there thinking, hey, it's Thursday, why is there an episode out today? Well, you've probably also noticed that I've been AWOL for a couple of weeks, so I'm back. But it is just that time of year when everybody is so busy. We have a backlog of guests lined up waiting to interview them when things calm down. But I haven't forgotten you all and we have some great episodes coming up. Today I'm really thrilled to have Zach Watson on the show. Zach is well known in the industry through his leadership of Young Tech for a few years and he's now working at Maverick Digital as their Head of Partnerships. We had a great chat about all things tourism. We cover off his career journey, his studies, what he's seeing through his clients' work with regards to trends for this summer and so much more. So stay tuned to later in the episode to hear what he has to say. In the meantime, though, I had an experience last week that I really wanted to share with you. And this might sound a little bit random, but hopefully by the time we get to the end of this, you will understand what I mean. Now, I went for a walk with a group of friends last week, friends who have all been through life-changing medical diagnoses. And as we were wandering through the forest, we realized that one of our other friends was celebrating a birthday that day. Now, she wasn't with us but we decided to send her a message wishing her a happy birthday from the walk when one of the girls suggested we make her a birthday cake in the forest. yep. Yeah, now it all sounds a bit strange, right? Because literally we were in the middle of nowhere in the forest and we said, okay, why not? We went to work looking for somewhere... To decorate as the cake and in the end we decided on using the top of a punga log that was sticking out of the ground that was about waist height so we went to work foraging for bits and pieces that we thought would look pretty on this nature cake and once we we're all happy with it we filmed a little happy birthday song and went on our way and it was really interesting because the second half of that walk, we suddenly then realized that we had started noticing a lot more of the detail and the little things along the walk. We could suddenly see all the different flowers. We were hearing the bird song, We were noticing the different textures and interesting details in the forest scape. Needless to say, that second half of the walk took us way longer than the first half. But Mandy, who originally suggested the cake, turned around and said, Ladies, that's play. We were playing. And it's important that as adults, we remember to play. And that really resonated with me because I realized at that point that I am guilty of dismissing play as a valid activity for myself. And so I came home and started reading about the benefits of Of adult play. Now, our society tends to dismiss play for adults. It's perceived as unproductive, petty, or even a guilty pleasure. The notion is that once we reach adulthood, it's time to get serious. And between personal and professional responsibilities, there's just no time to play. The only kind of play we honour is competitive play, according to Bowen F. White, MD, a medical doctor and author of Why Normal Isn't Healthy. But play is just as pivotal for adults as it is for kids. We don't lose the need for novelty and pleasure as we grow up, according to Scott Eberle, PhD Vice President for Play Studies at The Strong and editor of the American Journal of Play. Play brings us joy and it's vital for problem solving, creativity, and relationships. In his book, Play, author and psychiatrist Stuart Brown, MD, compares play to oxygen. He writes, It's all around us, yet goes mostly unnoticed or unappreciated until it's missing. Now, this might seem surprising until you consider everything that constitutes play. Play is art books, movies, music, comedy, flirting, and daydreaming, and so much more. It's well documented that those of us who engage in some form of adult playtime experience numerous health and learning benefits. Playfulness enables adults to distance themselves from others, from situations And from conventions to approach situations with an open mind to find original solutions to problems, to confront difficulties, and to accept failure. Play helps to relieve stress. We know that play is fun. It triggers the release of endorphins, which is the body's natural feel-good chemicals. It can improve brain function. You think about when you're playing chess, completing puzzles or pursuing other fun activities that challenge the brain. It can help prevent memory problems and improve brain function. The social interaction of playing with family and friends can also help ward off stress and depression. You stimulate the mind and boost creativity. Young children often learn best when they're playing. And that's a principle that applies to us as adults too. You'll learn a new task better when it's fun and you're in a relaxed and playful mood. Play can also stimulate your imagination, helping you to adapt and solve problems. And play also helps improve relationships and your connection with others. You're sharing laughter, having fun. It can foster empathy, compassion, trust and intimacy with others. It doesn't have to include a specific activity. It can also be a state of mind. Developing a playful nature can help you loosen up in stressful situations. It can break the ice with strangers, can help you make new friends and form new business relationships. And of course, play helps you feel young and energetic. In the words of George Bernard Shaw, we don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. Play can boost your energy and vitality and even improve your resistance to disease, helping you function at your very best. And when we look at play at work, it keeps you functional when under stress. It refreshes your mind and body. It encourages teamwork, increases energy and prevents burnout, triggers creativity and innovation and helps you see problems in new ways. Now, maybe... This might be one of your hobbies. You might have something in your daily routine and you say, this is what it sounds like. Or maybe it's time you find yourself a new kind of passion project. Or you sit with your team and think about ways that you can incorporate play into your team building activities and just the way you work on a daily basis. Either way, next time you find yourself having fun, Remember that play is more than just a break from work. It's also one of the most basic and important forms of human growth. So thanks to Mandy for reminding me to introduce play into my daily routine. And I encourage you to do the same. I'd love to know what you might do differently in your workplace or if this has resonated with you today as well. But for now, it's time to hear from Zach. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. And we'll see you next week. Ka kite. So today we welcome Maverick's new Head of Partnerships, Zach Watson. Kia ora, Zach, and welcome to the show.
1: Kia ora, Michelle, and hi, everybody.
0: Great to have you with us. Now, you have a new title, Head of Partnerships, which is different to the title when I first contacted you to invite you onto the show. So tell us a little bit about what is involved in being Head of Partnerships at Maverick Digital.
1: Yeah, awesome. So yeah, as you said, have recently made the move from the key account management role, which I signed on for six months ago, into a senior leadership position as head of partnerships, which obviously is really exciting for me and my career growth and I'm absolutely stoked to to be in that side of the business. But as a role itself, it's kind of got three key purposes, development being the first one. So Mm -hmm. that's both organic and chasing a bit of business as well. So taking on inquiry, but also generating leads and, Mm -hmm. and following up on those and making sure yeah, we're really well represented in those initial stages. We can get kind of clients and customers through from that inquiry stage into, into being either a, a full-time retainer with us or, or doing a bit of project work, but that may be. The second side of it is I've kept a bit of my key account management. So I still have my clients from my old role, which is awesome. It's a side of the business I really enjoy and have been really enthusiastic to keep mm-hmm. a kind of variety of clients from, from commercial businesses to RTOs or regional tourism organisations, which really suits my career history to date. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the third side of the role, I guess, is a bit of planning and process around what our sales processes look like at the moment. It's obviously still a very new business. We're not 10 years old yet. That's still a couple of years away. So yeah, implementing some new ways of doing things and and getting the business to have a think about what's worked to date and what could work in the future. So yeah, really excited to get going and a couple of weeks in now and really enjoying it.
0: Oh, fabulous. And congratulations once again. So you mentioned there some of your previous roles. Can you kind of give us an overview of your career story and how you got into tourism?
1: Absolutely. It's a story I really enjoy telling, to be honest. I'm super enthusiastic about where I've landed. And to be honest, it probably wasn't always on the cards. Uh, I actually grew up wanting to be a farmer, among (laughs) a couple of other things at at various times. But in 2012, I, I went to the UK after finishing school, like a lot of other... High school students didn't really know what I wanted to do when I left school, so decided not to jump into any sort of further education. I was a bit over that at the time and went and had a year in the UK playing and coaching both rugby and cricket, both of which are are still a massive part of my life today. I was in central Surrey, about 40 minutes south of London by train, and had a fantastic year travelling and working and doing a lot of growing up, to be honest. And as cliche as it sounds, a year away from New Zealand for a person who hadn't done a heap of travel growing up either was almost the spark and inspiration I needed to realise how amazing New Zealand was, both as a place, but also as a people. Mm. And yeah, so when the the kind of university choice time of the year came round. Mum and dad were on Skype and saying, you know, you need to need to start having a think about what what twenty thirteen holds. You knuckle a, down. Exactly, exactly. We had a bit of a look into into what the options were and tourism kind of stood out a little bit based on that kind of newfound passion and, and realization and had a look at where I could do that and Wellington Otago, the Waikato at the time and Lincoln. I've got a little bit of family in Canterbury. Dad did a lot of growing up in Ashburton. So yeah, looked into Lincoln and settled there and spent 2013 to 15 doing a Bachelor of Tourism Management with a couple of minors in sustainable business. Did some agribusiness as well, which was really, really interesting. From there, went back up to Auckland. So I was, I was born and raised just out of Auckland, out northwest and Cumu. Mm -hmm. for those wine lovers on the call and yes spent some time with kelly Taltons and their trade role the hucker tourism group doing some account management with Alaria and the team at hucker educational tours then nearly four years at auckland unlimited or AT'd when i joined Mm -hmm. in product development and destination management and then yeah now at maverick having taken on an account management role and as we discussed before now they're head of partnerships
0: yeah, cool. Oh, that's a really nice little journey that you've had through the industry there, working in a lot of different industries or different sectors, I guess, of the industry and sides of the, the table if yeah, so absolutely. Yeah.
1: I think moving into more of a marketing centric role now, obviously at an agency, it's definitely a step into the unknown somewhat. Having done most of the kind of my roles in either trade or on the management side of things, destination mm-hmm. management, should I say. So a lot of kind of very used to the stakeholder engagement piece and how those relationships fit and work and making sure they're always kind of strong and tight to benefit the wherever you may be. But but yeah, adding a few strings to my bow now, which which I'm really enjoying.
0: Mm, Awesome. And looking back on your university degree, like there's been a lot of discussion around education and tourism as a subject and all of that sort of thing. Do you think it was a really valuable degree? Like, would you make changes to what you learned now that you're out in the industry and you've had the experience that you've had?
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting and broad topic and one that I've been involved in, I guess, anecdotally for the last few years on the International Travel College Advisory Board here in Auckland and obviously spent time with Young Tech for for three years, two of those as chair. So yeah, it's a topic that's definitely coming up more and more and and some changes to the high school system in the last 12 months. It, It will definitely make a difference. When I look back at my own journey uh, i think my university degree i've done a fair bit of thinking about it and over the first wee while in my career and I probably would make a couple of changes, to be honest, whether I would do a degree solely in tourism, I'm not sure. And, and would it have suited me better to do something a little bit more generic and say the commerce or the business management scene and major in tourism management? I don't think there's a, a yes or a no answer there. It's it's definitely up to the individual. And I thoroughly enjoyed my time at Lincoln and, and, mm. and what that offered and, and the degree itself was fantastic. But if I look back at it, I probably should have been more attention to those first couple of years, getting a, a few more generic papers in there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. a few more commerce, pa- commerce papers, a few more marketing papers, business management papers, because a lot of what I was doing was quite specific and niche. And mm-hmm. coupling that with something a little broader would definitely help have helped me in those first few years anyway, just from a more yeah generic kind of business standpoint. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Now, you recently won the Emerging Tourism Leader Award at the Tourism Export Council Conference we had in Nelson this year. Tell us what was involved in that.
1: Yeah, Yeah. it was an amazing moment for me and very stoked to be the recipient of that particular award. Yeah, I, I guess when the, the award categories came out and hats off for tech for, for getting some kind of individual one-off awards, I guess, into the conference that was specific around the, the really tough couple of years the industry had gone through prior, and still is, to be honest, as we navigate the tail of this thing. But that particular award came out and we were sitting in the in the office here and Nicole came, Nicole Botting, a lot of you will know, who's our general manager here, came straight over to my desk and said, you need to apply for that. It sounds incredible. And I was having the same thoughts, to be honest, so we kind of had a bit of a brainstorm based on the criteria. But yeah, it was it was an award for a person under the age of 36 who had shown leadership through the uh, 2020 and 2021 so mm-hmm. the, the year is obviously heavily impacted by COVID within our tourism scene or sector mm-hmm. and yeah I had to much like a lot of other wards put, put together a bit of an application a bit of a written piece and a couple of references as well and I was able to double down on my work through the Young Tourism Export Council or Young Tech mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of kind of secondment work that I took on at Auckland Unlimited mm-hmm. I delivered a regional business partner program and uh, the continual kind of voluntary pieces I do at high schools and and tertiary Mm -hmm. is here in Auckland from a guest speaking and a mentor point of view. So it was a nice opportunity to have a little bit of a look back, to be honest, and what I'd been able to achieve and offer and add value through that time, which was obviously pretty hectic for a lot of people.
0: Yes, yeah, it's been a really tumultuous couple of years, hasn't it, in terms of just that uncertainty that's been attached to our industry. And I think a lot of us, when we look back to March 2020, we were all – Being optimists, mainly working in tourism, thinking, oh, well, maybe six months and we'll be ready to go. Well, Christmas time will be fine. Of course, as we all know, that didn't happen. Are you seeing any particular challenges or additional challenges for young people in the industry at the moment? Like now that we come out of COVID, there's obviously a lot of talk around staff shortages and the challenges in finding staff. Are you hearing anything through your networks and what you're seeing in the industry in that space?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll come back to that. I just want to pick up on one of your comments there around the, the optimism in those initial <laughs> stages. I think we were sitting around the same board table at tech when kind of brainstorm what this thing could mean for the industry at that time. And I think we arrived on Chinese market might not be here for a year or so, and that would make quite a big splash and then things would kind of work themselves out. But how wrong we were at that time. But yeah, it's a a bit of a funny story. I I look back on with with those who are around that tech board table at the time. But no, to your point there, challenges and what I'm hearing with young people in the industry. Uh, Yeah, it's probably a time that's, that's been harder than most for young people to get into tourism. The chronic kind of workforce shortages mean there's a lot of opportunity out there, but the overall challenges the sector has got from a from a revenue and cash flow perspective, still obviously missing a lot of our international markets. And when those come back, is it's any, still anybody's guess, depending on where those people are coming from. But I think there's a lot of improvements being made in this space as well. We're seeing wages of those those frontline and entry-level roles starting to creep up, which has always been a bit of an inhibitor for the industry. And we're also seeing improvements being made in the education system Mm -hmm. to make sure that tourism's taken seriously, particularly at high school level, as a career and not just a a kind of part-time holding job while you look for something else. But no, I think we've still got significant challenges, particularly in in that kind of convincing young people to choose tourism over other options. And there's a variety of different people that I think we can definitely be more effective in talking to, namely the, these young people's parents and caregivers, as well as getting industry kind of more interlinked with with how tourism is taught and the pathways through high school and university or other other tertiary options.
0: Yeah, I'm guessing there's probably a little bit of hesitancy as well on, particularly from a parent's perspective, if they look at, I mean, tourism was all over the news through COVID. And as an industry, we were quite vocal about the challenges we were having and the support and help that we needed to continue being the largest export earner, or we were prior to prior to COVID, yeah. we were New Zealand's largest export industry. So I guess that hesitancy is there. And now it's just about building up that confidence and certainty yeah, around. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah and, and I mean, I look back at a couple of career nights I've volunteered to go and speak at over the last few years and had kind of one or two families in a whole night compared to other you know, mm-hmm. subjects. And representing the university or whatever it might have been it's definitely not on people's radars I think it's you know there's a real piece around convincing people to study and upskill in, in this particular area because it formerly has been such a big value add to New Zealand from an industry perspective and it will get back there and if you put attention into into studying and learning tourism now it's, it's two or three years time before you're graduating or coming out and the industry exactly. will be significantly better than what it is now then so yes. Yeah, the it it's just a I suppose it adds fuel to the fire a little bit with the lack of people choosing tourism because you know, the workforce challenges we've already got.
0: Yeah, and also I think tourism as an industry has been a pretty resilient industry, and we've been through a lot. There's like COVID was obviously the biggest part, but we've been through peaks and troughs a lot over the years when you look back in history. But I guess coming out of COVID, what we've learned is to tell our stories a little bit better. There's been so much work being done on destination management plans. We're talking now about regenerative tourism and sustainability has come to the fore. And and I think that's only going to help not only our social license, but also our perception as an industry that we are not just a bunch of larrikins having a fun time <laughs> out there, jumping off bridges and squealing around in jet boats, but actually contributing back to the community, to the environment and so on.
1: Absolutely. And and I think we're kidding ourselves if we think that nothing positive has, has come out of COVID. There's been a lot of really great work that's happened in either commercial business or the public sector as well and, and how we better connect as people and as businesses. As you say, traditionally what tourism has been perceived as hasn't necessarily matched what it actually is, particularly in the education system. So yeah. telling our stories a little better and being more open and transparent about what working in a tourism business looks like and what it can offer and the broadness of that is something that is definitely starting to improve and will only help our our kind of flow of talented people coming into the industry, whether they be young or otherwise.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of those, whether they're young people or people just starting out or people looking at a career change, those who are looking to start in the industry, what advice would you give them?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question, to be honest. I think making sure that, reaching out to contacts you may have that already work in the industry and talking to them about what it looks like as i said there's there's still a lot of work in terms of perceptions and the information on what the industry actually is if you're only doing research around the decision to choose to study or work in tourism so mm-hmm. talking to people who are already there and who have already had a career pathway was definitely something that I got a lot of value out of in my journey. Was choosing what industry to study in and, and granted that the industry was in a totally different situation than it is now in the kind of early 2010s. Talking to a couple of my parents' friends or cousins or what whoever they were uh, that were already in tourism or had spent time in the tourism industry was mm. almost the solidifying factor for my choice it meant that I was able to yeah head away to university and, and study in an industry I already had somewhat of a picture of what it looked like and second to that I think yeah do do your research about the place where you you might want to work or study as well tourism is all about experiences and all about people and it's one of the few industries where we were able to really co- combine that kind of work and fun because the industry is so tight-knit and and everybody gets along and loves each other's company and things. So um, yeah, where where might you want to work and in what sort of business? Because there'll definitely be something for everybody.
0: Mm, Yeah, good advice. And at Maverick, you're obviously working with a number of operators, RTOs, like across all of the sectors of the industry. Are you seeing any trends starting to emerge coming out of the last two years that you're excited about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Starting to see definitely good numbers in terms of people researching New Zealand from both Australia and the States. And month on month, we're starting to see Europe start to trickle back as well. Asia will obviously be a little bit further behind with a couple of exceptions there. But yeah, that's really exciting for people. And to be honest, a lot of businesses are, are starting to get well and truly back on their feet from a financial point of view. So yeah, that's probably more of the commercial side. And then the RTOs that, that we we have we're lucky enough to have as clients are starting to really ramp back up in the in the campaign space as well and starting to do some really kind of innovative and informative work about attracting people back into their respective regions and getting people out of the and off the main beaten track and and representing the entirety of New Zealand. So, yeah, it's an exciting time, to be honest. As an agency, being obviously solely in tourism, we tend to trail the industry trends a little bit and feel the peaks and troughs just as much as anyone else. But, uh, yeah, the optimism is back, and it's a really exciting time to... To, to be involved in, and to be honest we're seeing that optimism portrayed across the large majority of our clients
0: mm, and that's awesome to hear so as you mentioned this will be our first proper tourism summer for a number of years what advice would you give to the operators listening in and what they should be doing now to capitalize on what's to come in the next few months
1: <laughs> it's a really good question. And I think it's, look, it's it's probably a little bit different for everybody and everybody will be in different situations from a cash flow and a revenue perspective. Yeah, making sure that you're, you're kind of technically sound, your website's performing as it should, and you're at least spent, spending a little bit of time having a look into kind of direct digital marketing and what that looks like making sure yeah you've got a steady flow of of traffic from both offshore but but domestically as well I think capitalizing on the progress we've made in the domestic market as an industry over the last couple of years is not progress that we want to lose and so reverting back particularly those really heavy international reliant businesses yeah making sure there's a balance there and for the upcoming summer I think it's, it's anybody's guess as to how well it'll go but the signs we're seeing is it's going to be Really, really positive. Definitely better than the last few, which the bar is pretty low there. But yeah, and and hopefully 23, 24 will be better again. So yeah, making sure obviously, yeah, your systems are really tight in-house from a digital perspective is, is probably the main one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good advice there. And the other one that I'd just add, which I'm hearing a lot as I'm heading out talking to people is make sure that you're answering your emails. And it sounds really simple, but there are a few businesses letting the team down on this one because bookings are coming in and they're not allocating the resource or it's going to a single person who doesn't work every day. So just have a look at all of those processes that you have in your business to make it easy for people to actually do business with you.
1: Yeah, totally. And having a look at that customer journey and yeah. what it looks like to, yeah, to arrive on someone's site or any advertising you've got out in market, whether it be paid or organic. And yeah, how easy is it for someone to book? It sounds, as you say, it sounds a little bit silly, but a lot of businesses have been somewhat closed for the last couple of yeah. years. So getting You've back got new just... people
0: coming in in different totally. roles and they don't really understand <laughs> that. So it is, it is, as you say, the customer journey and take, yes, yeah, put yourself in the customer's shoes and yep. walk yourself through that journey and work out where the gaps are.
1: Absolutely. Is it as easy as possible? Because at the end of the day, yeah, just need this this uh, revenue from whoever it might be. So yeah. yeah, making sure it's easy for someone to come and experience your awesome product.
0: Yep. Perfect. Rightio, Zach. Well, that's the end of my questions, but we do have the quick fire round. So I hope you're ready for that. I'm just going to throw some questions at you and you just give me the answer that pops into your head first up.
1: Perfect. Sounds good. Let's go.
0: Okay. North or South Island? North. Good. General Vodka?
1: Oh, absolutely gin.
0: Summer or winter? Summer. Beer or wine?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. I don't drink a lot of either. I do drink a lot of gin for anybody that knows (laughs) me. I'll probably have to go beer, but reasonably traditional beer, not much of a crafty person.
0: Right. Okay. Very good. What's your favorite holiday spot?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. I think the Coromandel. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Spent a lot of time there over the years and love it every time I go back
0: whereabouts in the Coromandel spend
1: a lot of time for younger cooks beachside yeah and just fishing and chilling out
0: oh cool I spend a lot of time in Maturangi so I'll have to look out for you <laughs> oh
1: there we go there we go I'll give you a wee wave as we drive past each other Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and what's your best ever tourism experience
1: oh you mean like doing an experience or just mm. in a career to date
0: no 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 the best as a visitor
1: oh as a visitor it sounds really silly but I only recently did, did the Hobbiton experiences should have done it a lot earlier considering I've been working in the industry for a while <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's and, uh, okay because Brad Patterson's just done it for the first time oh, as well so Pato, if you're listening yeah he'll <laughs> be listening he'll be
1: listening the, uh, yeah that's two of us who have been a bit slack out the blocks I guess <laughs> I'm sure there's others so yeah they're probably there it springs to mind and then I think I spend a lot of time in the outdoors I'm an avid hunter for anybody who knows mm-hmm. me will know that so a lot of more so free product we've got here in new zealand getting out into the national parks and the wilderness and and yeah it's an absolute luxury we have here in in new zealand so it's probably a reasonably pc answer that one but yeah just getting out into the great outdoors
0: yeah no that's a good answer so all right hey well look Zach thank you so much I know you're a very busy man so I really appreciate the time to come and talk to us today and learn a little bit more about your career and tourism story to date and we wish you all the best and I know you're going to be going into a very busy summer at Maverick so all the best and we'll catch up with you soon
1: yeah kia ora Michelle thank you for having me and thanks everybody for listening ka kite ka kite anō